Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning and welcome in Jesus' name. Today we are going to finish our series on the Benjamin Generation, part six. We've been in a series called A Season of Ear Tingling because I believe we're on the verge of the greatest outpouring of God in human history. And we've been looking together at uh, instances in the Bible where God does extraordinary things that are so outside the box that all you can do is have your hair stand on end and be tingled by it. And only he can do such things. But he's going to for his glory. And we've been spending six weeks dealing specifically with Jacob's youngest son, Benjamin. And oh, what a trove of truth that we pulled out concerning Benjamin. He is, he, Benjamin represents the grace, truth, time, and power that is going to be seen in this last outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is an uncommon awakening. It's an uncommon reformation. It's going to be led by men, women, boys, and girls of all different ages, but they are all having in common Deuteronomy 3312, the beauty of sitting on the shoulders of God, having a posture in sniper's nest, whereby they effortlessly are carried around to do the will of the Lord. And we found out that when Benjamin shows up on the scene, that tears are released. And when, whenever Benjamin just shows up, reconciliation takes place, that it is exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything we could ever imagine. And so thank God for the Benjamin generation. But uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about the fact that the Lord is about to strike down Benjamins who have gone wrong. Did you know Benjamin had a dark side? Did you know I've been only telling you the warm and fluffy stuff? Did you know there was a dark and evil side concerning the ravenous wolf of Benjamin? Did you know that the tribe, the smallest tribe, when it got out of sync with God, oh, beloved, oh, beloved, the more gifted you are, the more talented you are, the more damage you can do to the kingdom of God if you go wrong. There once was a boy that had a little curl right in the middle of his forehead. When he was good, he was very, very good. When he was wicked, he was horrid. That's not a scripture verse, but that's the first thing I want you to see and soak in. When Benjamin goes wrong and Benjamin went wrong, Throughout a warlike history, there was a dark side to Benjamin. And all I, wanna all I want you to focus on today, we're going to look at Damascus encounters. We're going to look at uh, how God struck Saul down and he became Paul. And we're going to mention the fact that throughout history, Benjamin's tribe produced an, an awful lot of interesting people. Remember Ehud, the left-handed man in a right-handed world? Remember, he's going to use Benjamites because they're going to be unconventional and they're going to be left-handed in a right-handed world. And then we also found out that King Saul, the first king of Israel, was of the tribe of Benjamin. And what do you see in Saul and his dark side? 
he opposed King David and the work of God in the world to such a degree that God had to strike him down on Mount Gilboa to free David to fulfill his destiny. Beloved, God is striking down his Benjamins that have gone astray. You say, Craig, what do you mean? Oh, it's a blessing. He's striking them down in our time, only that they can rise up free. He's blinding them so that they can see for the first time. Beloved, there's nothing worse than Benjamin gone wrong. If you read the book of Judges, you find out that the the Benjamites, uh, the entire Uh, All the tribes of Israel came against Benjamin to destroy Benjamin in the last two chapters of the book of Judges. Horrifying story in the Bible. It's one of those weird, it's not the seeker-friendly stories you bring to the pulpit. The Benjamites in the town of Gebeah were involved in gang-raping a concubine of a Levite. And it was one of the most horrifying instances of moral depravity in the Bible. And all of Israel united to destroy Benjamin. And did you know they were, they were smitten down until there were only 600 Benjamites alive. You say, Craig, you're talking about smiting. Yes, I'm talking about God himself striking down his Benjamites. There are people who have been out of fellowship with God watching and listening to me for 25 years and all your talents and all your gifts and all your abilities, and you've got every one of them, but your little train was knocked off the tracks and you have been fruitless. But the Lord himself, beloved, is going to raise your train up, put it back on the correct tracks so that you can go 100 miles an hour in line with your destiny. Did you know when a good person goes bad, they can do more damage. They can almost destroy the world. But God is sovereign, and he is in control of every step and every word. And beloved, I just, wanna, I, I just want you to hear, again, the scriptures, Genesis 49, 27. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey. In the evening he divides the plunder. There was a warlike nature to Benjamin. There was a dark side. To Benjamin. And did you know that Saul, who became Paul, Romans 11.1, 1, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. The apostle Paul, Saul, who we're going to see struck down, and he's going to rise up as Paul, was of the tribe of Benjamin. Ehud was of the tribe of Benjamin. Mordecai and Esther were of the tribe of Benjamin. King Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. And the Apostle Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. And we're going to just focus on the fact that there's nothing worse than a Benjamite gone wrong. There are men, women, boys, and girls who have compromised their moral integrity in ministry, and they have been thrown on the wreckage pile of history But God isn't finished with them yet. 
He can strike Saul down on the road to Damascus so that he rises up as the apostle to the Gentiles. He can take a man who so viciously hates the Christian community. And by the way, let me take you back to Acts chapter 9 and 22 and 26. And we're going to look at the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Who was he? He's the man that would write two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. He was, he was a brilliant man. He had the equivalent of a Ph.D. in the Hellenistic world and the Jewish world. He was taught by the greatest teacher, Gamaliel, of his day. This man had more talent, more gifts, more abilities in his little finger than you've ever seen in any other human being. But the problem is when a good man, a Benjamite, goes wrong, oh, Lord. When they get out of their lane, and Benjamites tend to have an ability of shooting at the wrong target and getting off track, and when they do, oy, but God. Jesus, our Lord, was not the least bit concerned. I know you get concerned. I know you think the world's out of control. I know you think this one did that and said this and that. Did you know that Jesus Christ is sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, and he will strike down whom he will? Don't worry, he'll take care of it. Well, Lord, it would certainly reflect well on you if you killed this one and that one and the other. Jesus says, trust me, I can strike down anyone at any time. And I don't care who you think you are, he can shut your little valves off. <laughs> that, that fat from all those steaks and baked potatoes can shut you down just like that. He is, he is not, his hand is not shortened that he cannot save. He's in absolute control. If they're still alive, it's because there's hope. But we are moving into a season, Benjamin. The Benjamin generation is going to prevail and be used, and they're going to bear the glory of God. But first, but first, the Lord is calling back a whole host of Benjamites who have gotten off the road and have been sidetracked for 20, 30, 40 years. I know some of them personally. Good news for you. God is not finished with you. It's over. It's not over till the fat Savior sings. That's not in the Bible. Acts 26, verses 12 through 18, Paul is telling his story of his conversion to King Agrippa II. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow. Listen to Galatians 1.23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith that he once destroyed. Beloved, <laughs> Saul was a Benjamite. There are two Sauls that went wrong. King Saul, 
In his day, he opposed God's choice king, who? David. There are more chapters in the Bible about David than anyone else. He gets 66 chapters. And how many of you know you can actually oppose God and his work and you can attack and assault the very anointing or the person who is called king? Did you know for 16 years, David ran from Saul? Saul was putting a contract on him every single day of his life for 16 years. He ran all over the place. He had to live in caves. He had to trust the Lord. He had a handful of folk that were with him. But did you know at all times? David was safe, and his future was secure because he was the king after God's own heart. But did you know that Saul was a Benjamite gone wrong? Oh, when a king like Saul decides he hates your guts and he's envious, and you know what it was? It was the beautiful young women who said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. We love you, Davy. And it says Saul eyed David from that moment on. A Benjamite gone wrong. Saul was a king. He had everything. His beloved son Jonathan was, just fell in love with David. They were best friends. There was nothing wrong. Everything was right. They were one big happy family. But Saul was a Benjamite gone wrong. Oh, beloved, when Benjamites with all their talents, gifts, and abilities go wrong, they can destroy the world. Or it appears they're about to destroy the world. But God struck Saul down on the mountains of Gilboa. Benjamites can go wrong. Do you remember a guy named Shimei? Remember a guy that followed David up as David was leaving the throne as Absalom seemed to be king and seemed to push David off the throne. And he walked up the Mount of Olives, a man named Shimei, a Benjamite gone wrong said, Cursed be you, David. Your sins have found you out. Saul is the legitimate king. And he threw rocks at David. And one of David's bodyguards, Abishai, said, Your Majesty, I will cut his head off his shoulders. And David said, Leave him alone. Let him rave. Could be the Lord. If it isn't the Lord, the Lord's going to look down. Maybe he'll have mercy on me and say, Shut up, you filthy Benjamite. And by the way, Shimei did die. On David's deathbed, you know, when you're just listening to Hillsong worship about to s just to soar off into heaven, David brought Solomon down and he said, you cut his head off and make sure that his head doesn't go down in peace to the grave. Bye-bye. He went to heaven giving that death order. <laughs> you say, this Bible is very confusing. No, it isn't. God knows how to handle evil. And he knows exactly when to strike it down. Beloved, God is about to strike his misguided Benjamites down. Look at Saul. He hated Jesus Christ. He, he, did, he believed Jesus Christ was a false Messiah. But did you know, Jesus says to him, it is hard for you to kick against the goad, Saul. Do you know what a goad is? It's a small piece of metal with a sharp tip. Just like a nail is a small piece of metal with a sharp tip. But a goad is put on the end of a stick. And when you were the shepherd or you were the farmer, and if your ox was rebellious and he's going the wrong way, you stick him in the butt with this goad. And the more he rebels, the deeper the goad goes. And Jesus said to Paul, hard to kick against them goads, isn't it? It's all. 
and to those listening into the sound of my voice who are Benjamins that have gone wrong for decades. Hard for you to kick against the goads, isn't it, sweetheart? A rebellious ox going the wrong way. And Jesus said, I got this. <clears throat> oh, you are going to go the right way. <laughs> you go now. God never violates free will. Uh, well, up to that point, he can do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> He's the Lord. He's the king. And he says to Saul, you rebellious ox, I will goad you until I get you exactly right on track and back on track. He says, it's hard to kick against the goads, isn't it, Benjamite, gone wrong? He hates. Why does he hate? Why this noonday splendor to knock him down to the ground? Well, did you know that God had been goading him? Do you know what he always was goading, Saul? That means that he was, he was dealing with his heart. He was dealing with his mind. This is the mind of a religious person. It's very difficult to convert a religious person. See, he'd heard the testimonies of Jesus. He heard about the miracles. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew all the people that knew all the stories. Remember, this is just a few years since the resurrection, just three or four years, all right? Every, all the testimonies are fresh. All of his miracles, everything he taught, everything he did, Saul believes he's a false messiah, but he can't in his mind shake the testimony of these people that said, man, I was blind. I don't know, I don't want to argue with you, but I couldn't see, and I do. And did you know the Bible says that he tortured them to make them blaspheme? Do you know he duct taped people into chairs to physically torture them so they would blaspheme Christ? Did you know there's only so much pain you can handle and you will deny your own name? You will deny your mother and you will give our pri all of her private information to them because a torturer knows exactly everyone is a breaking point. I don't care CIA, I don't care who you think you are, you are going to break. Look, I already confess it up front. If the church or the gospel work is dependent on me enduring torture, bye-bye, Jesus. Your kingdom is gone. <laughs> if you depend on me, because as soon as you bring the pliers, I'm selling my mom. My mother is a dear woman. Well, she's in heaven now. But I'll sell you out as soon as they torture me. And Paul, look at the rage. Look at the rage. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. He believed this was a cult. He couldn't. He had a theological belief that you were saved by works and you were not saved by grace. Everything about Saul's Saulism and Paul's Paulism, every hub of his life was rooted in you are saved by obeying God. And Jesus Christ comes and says, no, honey, I'm the center. You are saved by grace through faith in me. And his mind couldn't shake the witnesses. And even he tortured them to death to make them blaspheme he still couldn't forget the memory he had he had God is working on his memory he was goading him in his memory remember in Acts 6 and 7 there's a man named Stephen the first Christian martyr who comes up before the people and you can read the greatest presentation of the gospel in Acts 6 and 7 and did you know as, as Stephen is preaching the gospel Saul was standing there holding the jackets of those who were going to stone him to death he couldn't shake the memory of this gentleman, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, who stood and saw Jesus stand at the right hand of the Father to receive the first Christian martyr. And he was in charge of his murder. 
This man was filthy in his rage. A Benjamite gone wrong. Is there anything worse? Benjamins have grace, truth, time, and power, and they're wonderful. And they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they go wrong, only Jesus can strike a Benjamite down to get him back or to get her back. <laughs> you said, Craig, we're really getting close to Easter. Are we really doing this message today? Yes, we are. Because the Lord himself told me that he is reaching out to men, women, and boys and girls. You, some of you have been off track for 25 years. You just got off track, Benjamin. And when someone is gifted and as talented as you, like King Saul, starts to oppose David, oh, you're fighting the elements themselves. The Bible says the very stars in their courses fought against Sisera, the wicked man, in the book of Judges. Did you know that you will either be in sync with the stones of the field and with nature itself, or you will be opposing nature itself by disobeying God? And you know what? God tends to like to straighten that out. I don't care how long you've been lost. I don't care how long you renounced your faith. I don't care if you deconstructed your Christianity. I don't care what worldview you've adopted to find your new freedom. Benjamin, God has a hand on your life. Saul from the womb was called. Saul would be struck down in one day, and he would quit resisting the goads. But the, look at the subtlety. His mind had been affected by the testimony of the people. He couldn't shake his memory and his conscience. The scripture says, outwardly, he was the greatest, he was the most outwardly observant Jew in terms of the jots and the tittles of the law, but inside his conscience was eating him alive. He said, the law of God was killing me. He said, I knew that I was a human doing, not a human being, and I was not pleasing God, and but I would double my zeal. Have you ever been wrong? I mean, sincerely wrong. Like, you know you're going north, but you find your wife points out that you're going south. Not even a little right. You know men led in the wilderness wandering because only men will triple down in circularity when you tell them they don't know where they're going. Have you ever sincerely thought you were right or correct or your facts were correct in whatever you thought to believe or follow and you found out, as my dad would say, that you were dead-ass wrong? You weren't wrong. You were dead-ass wrong. You were wrong about everything you believed. You were wrong about everything you thought. You were wrong about everything you read on the Internet. You got the wrong information. Whoops. Saul has it all wrong, and God is going to remedy it by striking this Benjamite down. But it, it's a striking that will raise him up unto life. He's going to blind him, but only so that he would see for the first time who Jesus was. Can you imagine the feeling? He has been torturing the church, making them blaspheme. This guy's committed to the wrong cause. And now he's struck down, and he says, Who art thou, Lord? And he goes, I am Jesus, Saul, who you are persecuting. <laughs> oh, 
my God. How embarrassing. <laughs> everything he believes is wrong about God. He's going to have everything transformed. He's going to be struck down with regard to his view of God because it's not some uh, sent hapless monad. This is a triune God. He's wrong about his view of the Jewish uh, nation and society. He's wrong about the Gentiles and their place in the world. He's wrong about his view of sin. He's wrong about salvation by grace through faith. He thinks you've got to keep the law. This man is dead ass wrong about everything a Benjamite gone wrong. And you know what? He was not going to change. Have you ever seen some? Oh, my God. I read a book by the man who was the primary torturer in the Cambodian school. He's a Christian now. You can read his testimony. This man was a meat puppet for the devil. One and a half million people, everyone that went in that place, no one came out. Three people came out alive. And this guy got saved. And he wrote a book about his life torturing others. And See, I don't know about you, but I wanted that man dead when I first heard about him. But isn't it funny? God knows how to kill his own in his own way. Can you hear the church? Lord, kill him. Smite him, Lord. <laughs> Vinegar on his teeth. <laughs> Knock him down. God says, I'll kill him my way. I'm going to change Saul into Paul. No, I will not physically kill him, but I will strike down wayward Benjamins and they will get up another man, another woman. First Samuel 10, 6 and 7. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will become another person. And when these things happen, do as occasion serve thee for the Lord is with thee. That's what he's about to do. He's about to strike his choice servants that have been wayward Benjamites, but he is only striking them and smiting them so that they would rise to their destiny. And the train would be picked up and put back on its proper tracks, and it will fulfill its destiny. Isn't that funny? The world looks in and says, we're bound because we're a train on the tracks. You're, man, you're bound, man. Those tracks are binding you, man. Be free. Yeah, yeah. So we can jump off the tracks like your ugly train, sideways with wheels spinning, going nowhere. Boy, the view of this world and how they think what they think liberty is or freedom is. A train is free, fixed on its tracks to fulfill its destiny. Don't jump off your tracks, Benjamin. <laughs> Some jumped off years ago. Beloved, I know people who were the most gifted and the most talented of folk I've ever met. And for whatever reason, moral failure, for whatever reason, they were wounded. For whatever reason, they couldn't take the, the, the power. They couldn't take the anointing that was on them. And they just went the wrong way. And they're in such shame and guilt that they won't even lift their face up to God. But God's not finished, Benjamin. Not with you. Saul had papers from the Jewish authorities to allow him to go get more Christians in Damascus and torture them, except Jesus had a plan to strike down the wayward Benjamite. I know you have a list of folk you think he should strike down. I know, I know. I got a longer list than you do. But you know it always makes sense why he didn't strike someone down you wanted him to. Lord, all the imprecatory psalms of David, Lord, let break their teeth. <laughs> let them drink vinegar on their busted teeth. <laughs> mm -hmm. I used to overhear people praying that stuff over me. 
two women screaming in a room, all these verses out of context. I thought, dang, that made me feel a little quirky. A little witchcraft for Jesus, huh? Kill him. <laughs> Take him down. <laughs> God. Mm -hmm. Benjamin's bad side is so wicked. But the Lord told me to end this series by looking at Saul's conversion. Did you know Saul's conversion was unique because it was the conversion of a deceived religious man? Did you know it's the hardest thing? You know when everybody thought Hef was the bad guy, you know? I mean, God, you know, sometimes this, this earth is the only heaven somebody's going to have. Don't dispute, you know, his silk pajamas when he's 90. It's like, you're 90 and you can, what, what are you doing in the match? <laughs> I need to know <laughs> what magic you got going on. We thought Hefner was the best sex, drugs, rock and roll. No, 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 no. It's a religious spirit that is going to be the assaulting spirit against the move of God. Not sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's kindergarten. Kindergarten. Aren't you aware of that? It's a religious spirit that, that nailed Jesus to the cross. They nailed him to the cross due to envy, the Bible says. Had nothing to do with spiritual things. They were envious of him. They couldn't handle it. The crowds loved him. The youth loved him. The women loved him. He had power, gifts, abilities. He had every positive trait of a Benjamin. And they hated him for it. That's why they united in order to kill him. These people had never, the Pharisees would not talk to the Sadducees, would not talk to the Herodians, except when they had a common enemy, Jesus, and then they started having meetings. Uh, how could we uh, catch him and kill him immediately? What do you say, Pharisee? You know, Thank you for inviting me to the meeting, but I would defer to my Sadducee brother as to the murder. Please speak, Rabbi. Strange bedfellows get together to destroy God's work. People that won't normally talk are meeting every night to destroy Jesus Christ, our Lord. He knew this. He was born to die, loved one. He, this wasn't a surprise to him. Gee, gosh, what did I do? I'm such a nice guy. He knew exactly what his incarnate presence stimulated, which was it surfaced every sin and every an abomination that was in the room. Remember when Jesus went into a synagogue, you know, the folk that had been in there for years all manifested, demons, <laughs> They'd been in there since the founding of the synagogue. But his gl the glory on him was so strong, he walked in and the demons would say, we know who you are, the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before the time? They had a better Christology and an understanding of who Jesus was than the disciples. Some say you're a prophet. Some say that you're uh, going to be on television. Some say that, oh, Lord Jesus. The demons knew who he was. They said, don't send us prematurely to the pit. And he said, shh, be quiet, because he didn't want the testimony of devils. But their Christology was clearer than any Christians I deal with. Jesus is a good man. He's sort of cool and stuff. And then he sort of, yeah. And then he was like the first created creature of Jehovah. And he said, no, he isn't. Go talk to a devil. They know who he is. Devil you will have to have some demonic classes teaching on the Trinity. Isn't it funny? God's own people don't know who he is, but the devils do. That's a whole other deep message. We'll get to it another time. God is striking down out of mercy, out of grace. 
He can't stand Saul tormented anymore and, and, and abusing his work anymore that he decides, and there it was, a light brighter than the noonday sun, and he is struck blind. For three days he was blind, and he didn't eat or drink. Did you know sometimes God has to blind you to the way you've been seeing life and seeing your spouse and seeing the Bible and seeing God so that you can for the first time be made to see he will blind the way you've been thinking, the way you've been walking, so that he can open your eyes to the truth. He strikes his Benjamins down and blind. Well, that sounds a little violent. He knows exactly what was going to put Saul into Paul, put him right on the track, and he was going to come up. By the way, three days he was blind, just long enough to be in the epitome of darkness, but not able to develop coping skills. He knows how to just put you in a place of darkness where you can't manage anything. You're out of control. Out of control. You don't even eat. You don't even drink. Boy, you're pretty serious when you won't eat or drink. It's like, hello. Oh, let me see. I've been wrong about God. Everything I believed about the Messiah is wrong, and Jesus happens to be the Messiah, and I was torturing his people and making them blaspheme. Oh, oy. And yet in a few days, he's going to be the apostle. Can you imagine Hitler killing your family and he shows up at your home group to teach the Bible study? Brother Adolf is fresh in the Lord and new and he'd like to share some things. No, Brother Adolf just killed my whole family. Well, get over it. Paul killed the children of these people who he's going to now be the shepherd of. Only God can switch a Benjamin back. And it, and it will offend you. Who is it that you think is irredeemable? Who is it in your mind that you know God would never... Whoever you hate, whatever political group you hate, is going to be your spiritual leader in the next six months. And you're going to have to submit to their authority. Wait a minute now. Wait, that's what he does. He goes, what group are you hating and utterly opposed to? In all sincerity, of course, because you're so literate and you fact check everything. But you're going to be wrong about everyone God chooses. And you're going to have to eat that humble pie. Oops. See, that's why the Bible says, in a multitude of speech there lacketh not sin. Shut up. I told somebody this week, I said, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Shut up and listen. Always talking, always jabbering, always jammering, and you're wrong about everything. Nine out of ten things you don't know what you're talking about. See, if you just know that in humility, you can be quiet the next little while because the Lord is very strategically changing lives right now. Some of your greatest enemies in the media are going to be people that are going to come to this church and they're going to humble themselves before Christ, and you're going to have to take back all your criticism. Oh, that's a, that's a lot of crow to eat. Isn't that terrible? I don't know about you, but every time I misjudge somebody, I have to repent. Every time. I just go, Dennis and I were talking about this. We are talking about this one and that one, and, yeah, and, 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 and you go and you make a judgment, and then the Lord shows you that he loves them, and they're precious to him, and you have to say, forgive me, Jesus. I'm so sick of saying that. Forgive me, Jesus. Let's pray against Saul, Lord, kill him. Bring him down. Bring his Jewish head down to death. God will kill Saul his way. And his way is the best way. 
because he doesn't kill him, but he does transform a wayward Benjamite with one strike. Isn't he great? He can do a lot with one strike. You know, you can hit a tree with one baseball bat, and whatever's dead falls down, and whatever's ripe falls down, and whatever, you know, all kinds of things God can do with one strike. We can only do like one thing with one thing we choose. Jesus can do 500 things with strategically striking the tree at just the right time. And that's what he does with Saul. And he's going to turn him into the sweetest, most gentle, most precious Benjamite you've ever seen. Mister, I'm torturing your children. Overnight is going to be crying and weeping because he's so moved by the grace of God and the mercy of God. Wouldn't you have a problem if he showed up at your home group, wants to lay hands on you, and pray for inner healing for the child he tortured to death? Come on now, don't tell me, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You're so unsanctified. You would wish him dead. You would not let him touch you with his filthy hand. And yet Jesus would say, he's my servant. He's a repentant Benjamite. Let him pray for your healing over the loss of the child that he murdered. Who is it that you would not believe God could save? Osama bin Laden's dead, but you know what I mean. The Hitlers, the Stalins, the uh, Putins, the whoever it is that is a dog and a monster to you, and you just think there's no way in heaven, earth, or hell that God could strike down someone in one moment and raise them up. Oh, he is more than able. And we are standing on the brink of watching him do it. And you're going to see it in the media. Everything I'm talking about, you're going to see. This whole series on Benjamin, if you go back and listen to it and track it and look at what's been going on in the world, it's very profound, very accurate, and this one is amazing. He's going to bring servants back that we thought were gone and lost years ago. Do you need to be blinded in order to see? Has there been one way you've been looking at your spouse? Is there one way you've been looking at the Bible? Is there one way you've been looking at God? You've been wrong, just wrong. And God goes, let me help you, but I have to blind you the way you've been reading everything and looking at everything, and I'm going to open your eyes, Saul. You're going to turn into Paul. And the man who tortured people to death is going to be tortured himself. Notice Jesus says in his testimony, I'm going to deliver you from the people I'm sending you to. Hello? <laughs> what does that mean? The people I'm sending you to are the people that sent you out with papers from Damascus, and they're going to beat you. If you want to get my tape called None of These Things Move Me, and you will hear me define how many times he was whipped and how many tortures he went through, go get the tape. It's called None of These Things Move Me. And it will blow your mind how this man who was dealing out the torture bore the torture the rest of his life. Everything flipped. When God strikes down a Benjamin, he puts them right back on track in one day. And after three days, Saul got up, he received his sight, and he started immediately preaching. Boy, it didn't take him long. He didn't go to seminary for nine years I need to study every language known to man. He got up immediately and went into the synagogue and started preaching Jesus Christ as the Messiah according to the scriptures. He said, whoa. <laughs> Hitler moves from being the Fuhrer to your pastor in a week. Do we call you Dr. Hitler or do we call you 
Just Brother Adolf. Give me a hug. 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 You wouldn't hug Hitler, right? You self-righteous, pompous. God forgave you every sin you've ever committed by asking for his blood, and now you're going to hold a $20 hurt against Brother Adolf. Who do you think you are, you nasty thing? Isn't it funny? We are still so self-righteous. We still think we're it. We still think our group, bless us for no more. We're the frozen chosen, the holy huddle. We've got it all down. And God says, you know what? I can't use that attitude in this next outpouring. You have to be humble. You have to see that God forgave you everything in a moment. How dare you hold anything against anyone else? He quit to preaching and going to meddling. You know, all week he's telling me, I'm seeing him strike down these Benjamins. It it isn't a violent idea because he's striking them down to forgive them. It's like imagine someone demon-possessed and and, and they are absolutely oppressed, but we are able to see them struck down, but when they hit the ground, the demons come out and they get up full of the Holy Ghost and now they're dancing. That's a good striking down. That's what he's doing. It's not negative. He's blinding people to open their eyes to see for the first time in their life. Yes, Jesus, start with me. Start with me, Benjamites. Oh, they got a dark side. And you didn't know that, right? You know, when you wear pink colored glasses, you don't see stop signs. Rose colored glasses. I, the world's a lovely place to me. You can't see stop signs when you're wearing rose colored glasses. God is trying to take off rose colored glasses to let you see things as they are. See you as you really are, as you really are, apart from Him. And then we just cry for mercy. I don't know about you. I want justice for everybody else, but the Lord told me recently, Craig, I'll give them justice as long as you take it first. So now I want mercy for everybody. Mercy. Mercy. (laughs) Lord, give them justice. No, you take it first then, Craig. I've got to give you all the justice you deserve from the womb to now. Mercy. (laughs) Mercy. Mercy. I want a mercy button on the pulpit. He ruined that beautiful pulpit with that weird little button, and I just want to duct tape it and sit on it. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Because every time you raise your hand to strike down somebody, you strike the wrong person down. Jesus never misses it. He knows exactly who wayward Benjamites are. Oh, loved one, I'm speaking a word of hope to people who are so past redemption and so past the possibility of ever thinking God would put them back into ministry. Well, let me tell you something, sweetheart. All those years have fattened you up in a wisdom that you never had 30 years ago. You are now ready as never before for the master to put your train back on the tracks, pointed in the right direction, going to destiny. And you're not going to be on the side of the road with your wheels spinning. See, it wasn't freedom you opted for. It was utter bondage. But, God, isn't he wonderful? No man left behind. He leaves the 99, and he goes after the one Benjamite sheep. He finds you. Sheep tend to not pay attention when they're grazing, and they tend to do things like fall off 20-foot cliffs, and then they're caught. And the shepherd will leave 99 who are secure, and he will go, and he will look. He hears you. 
there you are. You didn't know. You, just eat. you were grazing, and all of a sudden you stepped off 15 feet. <laughs> now you're stuck. I can't stand heights, by the way. I'm afraid of heights. I saw a movie the other day that involved extreme heights, and it just makes me go, oh, oh. but Jesus isn't afraid of heights. He, he can fly. <laughs> He's not afraid to just climb right down where you are, little goat, little sheep. Wait, well, you're a sheep, not a goat. Lord, we thank you for your kindness to us. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. While we were in rank opposition to everything your kingdom represents, you died for us. Rarely will men die for a good man even, but not an enemy. But thank you, Jesus, that on the cross you were dying for Saul so that he could become Paul. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your mercy toward me, God. I thank you for your forgiveness toward me. I thank you, Jesus, that all of us wayward Benjamites, God, that you, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and they never change. And now you will seek out every wayward Benjamin and you will set them back on their tracks, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that all the enemies that are trying to uh, defame the fallen Benjamite, that you will deal with them personally yourself, Lord, and restore your man, restore your boy, restore your daughter, God. Change Saul to Paul, Jesus, in a moment. Bring the moral miracle that they need. Bring the mental miracle that they need. Lord, it's okay if we've been wrong about everything we believe. We're going to be straightened out in a moment, and we ask you to do it, Lord, starting with me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. This day, oh, God, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem as you came and showed yourself a king, the king of the universe, and you were rejected. The babies themselves cried out and said, Hosanna, son of David, and the leaders said, stop them. And Jesus said, if I stop them, the very elements themselves will cry out and worship me. Thank you, great king. You love us beyond our misunderstanding. You love us beyond our opposing your work. You love us beyond reason, God. Thank you for your love beyond reason. I pray right now, Father, Gretchen, go pray for everybody. Dennis, get up and go touch him. Father, I pray for everyone here in the room right now, Lord, that you would show mercy to your precious babies, Lord. Let them feel your presence as never before. Maybe for the first time in decades, deep down into the belly, deep down into the inner parts of who we are, that you, Jesus, would deliver us of every demon that has opposed us, that you would strike, uh, strike us down, that we could get up, today, different people, that you would blind us to our ignorance, that we could have eyes open to your ways, God. I pray with just a physical touch, Lord, you transmit your power and your deliverance to your precious children, Lord. And those watching, Lord, your baby daughters who you, you, you adore, Lord, you bless all your little daughters, Lord, bless them, Lord. And your sons of Adam, God, you just love them so much that you would reach your hand out and and put a blessing on a Benjamite that's gone wrong, God. Bring them back, God, smelling sweeter than they ever have, more anointed than they ever were, full of delight they've never known. And we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. As Gretchen just touches you, we pray that God would transfer a blessing to you, that he would bring a relief to you. As Dennis touches you, there'd just be a, a sweet whoosh of his Holy Spirit, just taking out all the strata. You've got strata where you've had thorns and needles, and, and God can clean all that strata out, all the thorns, all the needles. He can, he can, it's like a layer cake. He's going into your life and he's removing all the needles and all the thorns and all the snares and all the goads. He's removing them so that you just have good icing at every layer. Good icing at every layer. Just delicious icing. No more thorns to eat. You know, when you wake up in the morning, the devil has always said, he's up again. Oh, no. She's up again. Oh, no. He's been doing it all these years, whether you know it or not. He can't bear. Do you know why you're still alive? Think about it. You should be dead a thousand times, at least. And here you are, 19-year-old, dropping dead on the basketball court. And here you are, Benjamin. That's because you are called by God to bear the glory of this outpouring, grace, truth, time, and power. It's worth it. Everything you've been through is going to prove to be worth it. And did you know that God used Saul as the instrumental means to torture the church, to drive them out of Jerusalem, to get them all over the world? Did you know he'll use you as he'll strike a straight blow with a crooked stick? What did Jesus say to the apostles? Start in Jerusalem, then you go to Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. Guess what they did? They stayed in Jerusalem and flipped him off. We're going nowhere. We're staying in Jerusalem. Jesus said, you are going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the other parts of the world. And they said, no, we're not. We're staying here in Jerusalem and having praise time. Jesus, Jesus, pray. God said, okay, let me send Saul to put such a fire under your butt. And he's going to torture your kids to death. And you're going to leave Jerusalem, and you will wind up in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Who did he use to do that? Saul, that wicked man, that Benjamite gone wrong. Oh, absolutely, because his people are too stupid to do what he says to do. So he has to raise up goads. Now, I know this doesn't apply to you, and he's never had to use goads on you, little ox. Because you're always walking on the right road at the right pace in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Liar. (laughs) You, sir, are a liar. You, ma'am, are a liar. That's what I always tell to Michael. I said, you, sir, are a liar. You're just as wicked as Saul. But it's those religious people that look so nice all the time. Praise Jesus. Watch out for those church women, man. They'll kill you quicker than a serial murderer. (laughs) Praise Jesus. How you doing, brother? Super good and getting better. Hair's on fire, kids are on drugs, wife's gone. Super good and getting better. Those are the problem. The religious people with the religious spirits, they are the ones that are going to kill the work of God coming up. Don't, don't tell me I'm wrong because I'm right about this. Remember Jesus said in John 16, and it shall come to pass that they will beat you in their synagogues and think they do God a service. They thought they were serving truth by crucifying the God-man. Thank God he's gone. And then Saul picks it right up. <laughs> So just when you think that you can't go off that bad, <laughs> I'm giving you a chance to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble 
thyself in the sight of the... Remember that? Humble thyself. Humble thyself. <laughs> and he shall lift you up higher and higher. And he shall lift you up up into heaven. And he shall lift you up. Humble thyself in the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. But if you exalt yourself, he will humble you in public. I'll conclude with this. A brother named John Dawson told me, he said, Craig, if you're in the ministry, it's, sort of, it's very good for your soul that about every 10 years you be publicly humiliated in front of the world. It's very good for your soul. That's what he said. He, just, he said, just make sure every decade you do something so crazy that the whole world is just going to kill you and the body of Christ is going to destroy you. And he said, then you'll rise up with a greater anointing than you've ever had. And I said, well, we're going to miss you, John. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Bye-bye now. <laughs> John Dawson, his name is. Look him up. Youth for Christ. He's just an amazing guy. Aren't you glad for people that spoke into your life at just the right time years ago, decades ago, so that you're, you're, you're still alive, you're still here? <sighs> all right, all right. Well, it's hard to stop, though, you know. The, the, see, this is like heroin. Being under the anointing of God like this in this holy place, you know, I consider it sacred ground between me and the camera. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's addictive, though. You know, because I have to leave this old pulpit and go out into the real world. But oh, it's sure delicious. So Craig's just going to luxuriate for a minute, <laughs> if you don't mind. Now, next week, our Easter celebration, Gretchen wore her hat for me today, so I would not miss Easter. Thank you, darling. Dennis is going to be leading us next week, and we are, we are going to have a beautiful time in the Lord. And I know what he's preaching, and I... I, I I've never heard what he's going to say next week, just the way he can say it. I'm not going to give you a hint. Did you know sometimes your personal testimony is the most lethal thing against the enemy? Because you can't shake a plain man's testimony. Easter is a sacred day about God reversing verdicts against us, and that's what our brother is going to minister to you next week. So be here together. We're going to pray for you and your ministry. We're going to bless you. We're going to celebrate that day. But I'm going to be in Sicily when you are here next week. So Craigie leaves tomorrow at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in the name of Jesus. Tim Tucker sent me the verse that says, I will go before you and I will give you rest. So that calmed me about flying because I don't like to fly. I don't like to not be in control. Anybody else say amen? But tomorrow at 3 o'clock... We'll see whose prayers work. <laughs> so at 3 o'clock tomorrow, I'm flying to Rome, and then I'm going to be in Rome for three days. And I want you to pray for me while I'm gone that I'll get everything out of this blessed time. This has been three years in the making. On the 15th, I go to the dock, and then the ship, uh, it's Oceana Cruises, the Riviera, leaves the 15th. The 16th, we go to Capri. The 17th, we go to Sicily. 
and the 18th we go to uh, Malta, and the 19th we go to Corsica, Napoleon's hometown where he was born. And then we go to Florence, and then we go to Monaco, and then we go to, um, it's in Spain, Barcelona, Marseille. We go to Marseille, that's in France, sorry. And then we go to end in Barcelona, and then I fly back. But I'll tell you what, it's it's just been a, a, a very interesting, you know, the COVID hit the week I was supposed to go two years ago. So, you know, it, it's been like three years in the making. And so, you know how we are with this COVID thing is changing all the time, and, and God knows what's going on in the world. But it looks like it's going to go through. <laughs> so we do give God praise for his goodness. So please keep me in your prayers. Every day, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to go to the Vatican, and I'm going to go to St. Peter's, and I'm going to go to the Capitoline Museum, and I'm going to go to all of the... I'm going to the Borghese Gallery. Mm, don't make me preach this. I know where everything is and all the secrets are, and it's just a blessing. So I appreciate that. Now, please do be consistent while I'm gone in your giving. We would appreciate that, right? We need like... $3,000 to to meet our obligation. I just wrote a rent check today at the Hampton Inn. If we feed you, you feed us. Don't blood from a stone. If you've already given, don't do it. But we just appreciate your faithfulness while I'm gone for two weeks. Dennis, next week, David Logeman is going to preach the next Sunday on the love of God, the love of God in light of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So encourage them, bless them, and please bring the support in so I don't need to be on the other side of the world wondering if uh, the rent's going to be paid, all right? That would be just a real blessing to me, okay? Now, let me bless you. Father, I thank you so much for these people. Lord, your precious babies, they're the sweetest in the world. I thank you for all these rubies and emeralds and diamonds, and they're such... I'd rather have four hope diamonds and 10,000 pieces of coal. I thank you for all of these beautiful lambs and Lamets, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of standing in this pulpit. Greatest privilege of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, please take what's been said, and Holy Spirit, would you confirm it with signs following. Amen. God bless you. We love you. See you next week. Bye-bye. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.